You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate you guys always watching. If you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to us on the podcast, love you. Thanks for subscribing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't subscribe? Make sure you do. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find Silver and Black today. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe to it and put on that auto download. That helps us a lot. And also it helps you because every time we have a new show, guess what happens? It comes right to you, so we appreciate that. Uh, we are back talking nothing but a Las Vegas Raiders football. As always, I appreciate you being with us. Uh, I am Scott Colbranson, your host. My co-host is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist up on SportsNot.com. And it's over, Mo. 2022 is done I'm not even usually on these Tuesday shows, buddy. We talk about last week's game, right? We kind of do a recap. This one wasn't even worth talking about, really. We'll talk a little bit maybe about Jared Stidham and and how he came back down to earth a little bit. But other than that, Mo, a very forgettable performance against a team that the Raiders have to look at as a measuring stick. And if that measuring stick is five feet tall, the Raiders are at about a half a foot, okay? The Chiefs just had their way again with the Raiders, and I think it shows overall, buddy, the Raiders, while they might be close to being competitive in certain areas, uh, to be a full contender in the AFC, to compete with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with the Bengals, they they got a long way to go. Two things I want to point out about that game, that stinker of a game. (laughs) Number one, there was a point, there was an actual point where the Raiders had 12 men on the field, no one noticed. (laughs) <laughs> Still couldn't stop the Chiefs. In week 18. I don't know if you saw the Baldy breakdown on Twitter, but they yes. actually had 12 men on the field. 
Yeah. It didn't it didn't matter. No. The other thing is the Chiefs started playing Ring Around a Rosie while whipping <laughs> oh, the Raiders' butts. Yes. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about it. It's not a big deal. Look, if you're a competitor, if you played sports before, you don't want someone mocking you while they're whipping your butt. And that's what the Chiefs did. And for I know Vic Tafer asked Josh McDaniels, was that a big deal? And Josh McDaniels is going to give the sanitized, politically correct answer. Those players took note of that. Josh McDaniels is not going to. They're not. Josh McDaniels is not going to say that at the microphone. But those players obviously didn't appreciate that. That you're mocking them as you're as you're whipping them out on their field. By the way, mm-hmm. this so which brings me to a third thing. There was a report that surfaced that Mark Davis is upset about opposing fans taking over Allegiant Stadium. And to yeah. that, I say, put a put a product on the field, and maybe that won't happen <laughs> so much. Oh, I agree with that. And there was a lot of uh, uproar from fans over a fan getting kicked out for a sign. And while I disagree with that 100%, the rules of your tickets say they can do that to you, believe it or not. I know it does. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And and you're right, though, Mo. That's the thing, too, is you look at the ring around the rosy play. That And no matter what Josh McDaniels says, or as someone else called it, uh, our good friend... um, uh, Fabian up in the Bay Area called it the chief circle jerk. Um, and and so, okay, whatever you want to call it, guess what? They do it because they can and you can't do anything about it. I equated it to the, 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 the high school or excuse me, the playground bully. Playground bully is going to push you, push you, push you. And guess what? Unless you hit him in the mouth, he's going to keep pushing you. And guess what? They keep pushing the Raiders and the Raiders don't hit anybody in the mouth. And so you're right. Mark Davis ultimately owns that. You don't want opposing fans in your stadium. Guess what? Win ball games. Build a better product. Build a better team. Reward the loyalty of Raider Nation and get it out there. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But, Mo, when we look at 2022 overall, there was some good things, uh, and we'll get to those in a second. But when you look at the season overall, of course, the word is disappointing, but is that is that a big enough word to describe – what the versus expectations we had them inappropriately or excuse me inaccurately fans had them way inaccurate they, a lot of people thought this team was going to go deep in the playoffs we thought maybe hey at least they should make the playoffs even if they inch in all of us were completely wrong when you look at 2022 in the course of all things that is Raider Nation how disappointing is it what is the right word to describe how this season ended up versus what the expectations were. Disastrous. <laughs> because I say that because first of all, don't be so Josh, gentle. <laughs> Josh McDaniels comes in and he's very adamant that Carr is a starter. And we, we talked about mm. how he wanted Carr before he got to Las Vegas. And then we read a report saying that he was out on car within weeks. Yeah. And then, and then the Raiders go two and seven who expected that. Uh, then Carr fizzles out. He doesn't get better as the season goes on. He gets worse. <laughs> and <laughs> and then five blown leads, five second half, five double digit second half blown leads. Five. Not not just blowing a lead into a better team. The Chiefs come back and beat you. It happens to other squads. The 49ers, it happens to other squads because those are elite football teams right now. But you're up on the Jaguars by by three possessions, you lose. I know the Jaguars in the playoffs, but let's be honest, they're an upstart team. They're not a juggernaut yet. 
the Cardinals game. You have the biggest blown lead in your franchise history, losing a 20-point lead to a bad Cardinals team, who, by the way, fired their head coach and GM on Monday. Yep. You don't cross the 50-yard line against the Saints. I know the Saints have a top-10 defense statistically right now, but at the time they played the Raiders, they weren't playing that well, and there was no Mar- Marshawn Lattimore. I mean... What I mean, what? How else could you describe a season like that, where you are the now NFL leader in blown leads in the second half, double-digit blown leads in the second half? You have a head coach who's way under five hundred now in his overall record. You don't know who your quarterback is going into twenty twenty-three. You need a, you need a whole defensive overhaul. Like, there's no other way to describe this season than disastrous compared to what the expectations were coming into it. Right, and not only that, you add in that the biggest hole you had on the offense last year outside of addressing it with Devontae Adams, a wide receiver was your offensive line. And you did absolutely nothing other than draft one rookie who played okay. And is going to end up being the center next year. Um, You, you have, you, you didn't address the offensive line issue. And then you look at the free agent signings. I mean, Mo, let's, let's be, let's be real here. You look at the, 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 the free agent signings that they made you could argue some were good or adequate, but overall, all of them pretty much disappointed. Chandler Jones came along, yes, towards towards the second half before getting hurt. But overall, Bilal Nichols, okay player, but not for what they're paying him. Deron Harmon did well in spots, but again, he was a stopgap at some of those places. So I agree with your disastrous point of view as well. Not only that, but the, yeah, go, go, go. And, and, and to add on to the disastrous point of view, I, I, there's more, by the way. You lose to Baker Mayfield, who didn't know all his teammates. Oh, and then the Jeff Saturday. On on a Thursday night. And then you give Jeff Saturday his only win as the interim head coach. Correct. He lost every game after the Raiders. The Raiders (laughs) gave him his only W. This is a guy who came from the ESPN booth, commentator, analyst, beats the Raiders, what, 25 to 20, and goes on to lose every following game, including the last game to the Houston Texans, who were in in a in line to get the number one overall pick? They gave Jeff Saturday his only head coaching win. That's probably going to yeah. be his first and his last because they're not hiring him for that full time gig. Uh, no, they're not. And and that's what's incredible about this too was was all the excitement coming into the year around that you like you said that was created and and you look back now. I watched some of those preseason. There was an interview with uh with the Raiders and and Dave Ziegler and he talked about this and they asked him well is you know is the, is the goal of the playoffs said, well yeah the goal is always the playoffs and 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 the way he sounded I didn't listen to it closely enough at the time but he was kind of hedging so I think Dave Ziegler had an idea uh when Josh McDaniels though really was selling this team as a team he believed was going to go back to the playoffs Dave Ziegler not so much but, but that, I think, set people off a little bit, and people were very excited about where this team was going because of the offense. You and I expected Derek Carr, the former quarterback, to have a big year. Um, but even if they did have a bigger year on offense, I'm not sure. Maybe, just maybe, they sneak into the playoffs with some of the teams we saw make it into the playoffs. But again, overall, the state of this franchise, while financially it's good, it, it, it's now in a position, Mo, where Dave Ziegler not only has to go out and get better talent, he's got to get a lot of it. Yes, and I was on a Bleacher Report live show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of people were suggesting the Raiders need to trade for Lamar Jackson, trade for Aaron Rodgers, trade for Kyler Murray now that he doesn't have a head coach GM. 
The only reason I push push back on that is because of what you just said, right? Mm -hmm. The Raiders have so many holes to fill. If you trade for a quarterback, guess what? Not only are you going to have to pay that quarterback salary, but you're going to have to give up draft capital to get him. So that restricts the amount of capital that you have to fill the holes on every level of your defense and fix your offensive line, which is why I suggest signing Tom Brady because at least with Tom Brady, you don't have to give up draft capital to get him. You know, so the part of the part of the good part about hopefully Derek Carr weighs is no trade clause and gets moved is that you can recoup more draft capital so that you can fill more holes. And you do that with cheap guys on rookie or cheap deals, not with big bloated salaries, including for a quarterback. Yes. And I know when we talk about that, a lot of people say, well, you're saying bring in Tom Brady. That's not a cheap rookie contract. It's like, yes, but Tom Brady's in a different situation. Tom Brady will take money or less money or deferred money. Okay, mm-hmm. to play with the right team that he wants to play with. So you don't you're not going to spend thirty nine million dollars like you were going to do with Derek Carr. Really you quick, might Scott. Spend, you might spend 15 or 16. Right. Re- really quick, Scott. Tom Brady's cap hit this year with Tampa Buccaneers was eleven point eight million. <laughs> exactly. That's how much he cost against and, the cap. And Josh Allen's in Buffalo is 14. Now it goes up to 27 next year and 29 the following year before going back down to 12. So Mm -hmm. the next two years, so the Bills, and again, this is where they structure the contract. And we'll do a whole show about this, by the way, as we look at the Raiders, as as we know what the salary cap goes up to, then we can have that conversation. But what people don't understand is these teams build the contracts with quarterbacks around, okay, we're going to build you up for three or four years. We're going to keep your contract low, your cap hit low, so that we can make our run. And then we're going to take two years where you're going to be a larger percentage of the cap hit. And then we're going to take it back down so that we can do another run. It's all structured that way, Mo, so they can work around the cycles of building a team to try to go win a championship. Yeah. A lot of teams, what they do is just kick the can down the road, so to speak, restructure, move some money down the road so that you have more space to work in that current year. And you just keep kicking the can down the road because... As far as we know, the salary cap is going to keep going up. I know the, the pandemic happened. It was a different situa- yeah. situation there. But as far as we know, unless there's another pandemic wave, salary cap is going to keep going up. So that's why teams are are willing to, again, kick the can down the road and restructure contracts. Yeah. Uh, before we go to the break, one more thing I want to touch on, too, because we're talking about the disastrous year that was for the Raiders. But there was some bright spots. And I think the biggest success of the season, yes, Devontae Adams had a, another 1,500-yard season, great season. You expected it out of one of the game's best receivers. But you got to talk about Josh Jacobs as the greatest success, right? He wins the, the, the rushing title in his, his, his non-option year, his option year. The Raiders refuse his option, which I still think was the right thing to do at the time. And now he's in a position where he can be a free agent or the Raiders try to sign him. I think they do try to sign him. But talk about the success of Josh Jacobs and what we saw, because not only did he perform really well, Mo, and I know this last game, last two games of the season, he got a little banged up. But this was his most complete season, obviously, uh, from a health perspective, too. He got stronger and he was more durable. Right. He didn't miss uh, you know, a few games here and there like he has in the previous years. So with that, he handled a monster workload. I believe he had mm-hmm. over three hundred well over three hundred carries. So that goes along with why he's a Russian title champion is because he was able to take on that huge workload and of course produce as he's always been. So what I will say about Josh Jacobs, I wanted to clear something up actually about the franchise tag. It was out that the franchise tag would cost twelve million. I believe that was the word, the figure out there. Mm-hmm. Looking over at a lot of reputable 
cat people like Joe Corey, who we've had on the show recently, yep. I believe last year. Yep. The franchise tag is only going to be $10 million. So yeah. the Raiders, had they exercised the, the five-year option on Josh Jacobs' contract, would have been $8 million. So really, they're paying $2 million more if they keep him on a franchise tag. Now, I hope that he gets a long-term deal because the running back shelf life is very short. Yeah. So I hope he gets multi, a multi-year deal. But if you're talking about franchise tag versus fifth-year option, it's only a difference of $2 million. So I don't think the, the financial gap is as big as people think it is. No, and with the uncertainty, and I say uncertainty at quarterback because I truly believe the Raiders, whether it's in the first round or not, are going to draft a quarterback or look for a young quarterback to develop um, and and get a, a veteran bridge guy. If that's the case, you need you need the weapons you already have on offense to produce like they produced. So to me, that means you give Josh Jacob his five-year deal, okay? Uh, and, and I think by everything he said, and I could be reading this completely wrong, Mo, and you could tell me what you think, but by everything he said the last few weeks, including on Monday, or excuse me, on Saturday after the game, is it sounds like he really wants to be a Raider. Okay, now that doesn't mean he's going to take a lot less money, but if they give him a fair deal, I can see him wanting to stay there, especially if they bring in a, a really sharp young quarterback. If they were able to draft one of these young kids that's really exciting, plus bring in a Tom Brady or somebody like that, I think that'll help convince him to maybe take a deal where, yeah, he might get a few million dollars more somewhere else, uh, but this is going to be his big contract, his final contract. Uh, and, and it certainly sounds like he wants to be there. I think it depends on the makeup of the team too. So yeah. let's say they're, they go all in and it, it looks like they constructed a roster that is ready to compete right now. I think he'd be more willing to take less because he says, okay, I'll take less if it means more winning. Mm-hmm. But let's say the Raiders draft a rookie quarterback and they, they pretty much are willing to go with a rookie quarterback or Stidham going into the following year. That's I can see Jacob saying, you're going to have to pay me more money to stick with that. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like you guys are only going to win five, six games. You're going to have yeah. to you know, pay up on that. So I, I want to see what the reaction is going to be on that because interestingly, the franchise tag window, the window to ta- add your, uh, well, tag your play with a franchise tag, kind of coincides with the decision the Raiders have to make on Derek Carr. So it's like, we're going to find out a lot about what the Raiders' plan is in within the next month because that quarterback move has to come. They have to yeah. make a decision on the franchise tag. And then you're going to start to hear about possible free agents they're looking at. So as far as Jacobs is concerned, he should be a building block. And I think I brought this up the last show, him being nominated captain by guys in the locker room Says a lot. Was, a big, was a big deal. Right. And, 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 and if you don't have somebody like a Tom Brady who clearly comes in as the leader of the locker room, then you need that. And you have Devonte Adams to a certain degree as one of those guys, but you also need another guy to me. And that's why I think he's so important to the team. Whereas if the quarterback had balled out and they weren't in this position on quarterback um, and had a better year in that situation and the offense and the passing game and all that, then maybe he's not as critical. Now, again, you rush for, 1500 yards and win the, the rushing title. It's going to put you always in the conversation, right? But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. All right. We're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to get into some more here around the 2022 season, including Dave Ziegler. That's who we're going to talk about next. How did he do? A lot of you want to fire him too. After not having a first or second round pick last year, because of the Devonte Adams deal, you want him gone too. Is that the right thing? Did he do things? Well, or did he just completely flunk the test? We'll talk about that next here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Original Podcast. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. How did Dave Ziegler do as the Raiders GM in his first season in Las Vegas? That's the subject of this segment on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo Moten, Scalkle Branson back with you. You want to engage, you want to have some fun. If you're not a psycho, hit us up on Twitter. Follow Mo at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And I am at L-V Gully. We love to interact with fans who want to talk Raiders football. Whether you agree with us or disagree with us, totally fine. We will have a respectful conversation with you there, and so we appreciate you. Also, follow the show at SNB today for the latest on show availability. Also, subscribe to the podcast wherever you can get it. Wherever you listen to your audio, you can find Silver and Black today. Okay, Mo, Dave Ziegler, let's, let's get to first reactions to this because in his first year he comes in, uh, he hires his whole front office staff, his player personnel development staff. Um, he makes the big Devontae Adams trade. Everybody's ready to make this guy the mayor of Las Vegas after after one big move. He goes out and gets Chandler Jones, another crown, supposedly jewel in the crown, I should say, for this Raiders offense that a lot of people were talking about as Super Bowl caliber, caliber offense or defense. Uh, and And so then suddenly... Um, the season starts, and in August, you and I are sitting around as others that cover the Raiders, and we're saying, hmm, what about the offensive line? Um, and we don't understand what they're doing, and they tell us they have depth there, and we can see that they don't have depth there, and they have a lot of inexperience and, and B-level talent, sometimes C-level talent. When you look at Dave Ziegler's first year as GM, I'm not going to ask you to give – a letter grade because that's tired and old. But when you look at this, how, how do you look at his performance, what he was able to do? You called the Raiders season on the field disastrous. How was it in the front office? I would say it's disappointing. And see, you said disappointing for the season. I said disaster. I'll say disappointing for Dave Ziegler because while he wasn't a disaster, because yeah. I like the fact that he he established a core and let the guys know, look, we're rewarding our homegrown players, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, uh, even Derek Carr. Get, I mean, he got an extension, but it was an out there. So it was smart mm-hmm. to do that because it wound up falling apart. So you got to give him credit for that. But as you just talked about, he ignored glaring holes on the roster. Mm-hmm. We the offensive line clearly wasn't good enough. Now, has it overachieved? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's a good offensive line. <laughs> uh, you you go into the season without – I know they signed Bilal Nichols, but it was clear going into the season that they needed another impact defensive tackle, and they didn't address that need. So here you are with uh, with 
you're you're rotating your right tackle between Thayer Mumford and Illuminar. You you don't address your defensive line. I, we talked about how I didn't like him resign, even though he gets credit for establishing the culture there. But I think he jumped the gun with re- with extending Darren Waller. No question. I was I was always kind of on the against that deal, that extension with that amount of money that quickly. Yep. You you look at now. I know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but now when you look at the fact that they let Yannick Ngakwe go and brought in Chandler Jones, who basically flashed for maybe 33% of the season, doesn't look good when you consider that you're paying, you sign him to a three-year, $51 million deal. So there's a lot of criticism that Dave Ziegler deserves. If you look at even, I understand he didn't have a first or second round draft pick, but if you look at his draft class, Dylan Parham was the only guy who got significant snaps. Samir White, I get it because Josh Jacobs is playing out of his mind barely touched the ball this season. Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler barely saw the field. Brent <laughs> Brown didn't see the field. Nope. Aya Mumford got some good time, but at the end of the season, they leaned on Jermaine Illuminar to be their right tackle. So yeah. at the end, I mean, other than the re- the extensions that you got in Mac Hollins, you know, what did Dave Ziggler really do to build on what they had last year? And it's not much to really you can say about it. Yeah, and and that's what that's what's disturbing. I, I think. Listen, I think it's hard after one year to evaluate somebody. Now, I think if Josh McDaniels is not that close with the GM, meaning they didn't come as a package deal, I think Josh McDaniels, and we're going to talk about him next segment, but I think he might already be gone. He could be. He could have been. Okay, but because of that close relationship, he gets the opportunity uh, to live another day. But with Dave Ziegler, I agree with you because the glaring miscues on the the interior of both the offense and defense and that is where you win championships is you have to have good offensive lines good defensive lines and so the winning in the trenches that never changes I don't care how what offenses do over the period of decades and how they change and how they get more open and how they're slinging the ball around doesn't matter you still need to have a good offensive line you still need to have a good defensive line that can rush the passer and so what I don't understand is why they chose. Now, I get what you're saying about taking care of your core players. Makes a lot of sense. The Waller one you and I have agreed with on uh, all along since we had Cynthia Freeland on the show in July, who told us the same thing from NFL Network. And that was, why would you even think about extending him? You got two years left. Uh, instead of taking that money and maybe go getting. Now, again, this is hindsight. We don't know how he would have done. And Dominican Sue or somebody like that on the inside, who you called for back in August, I think it was as well, and some other guys. You could have spent money there, but instead you spent money on Darren Waller, who barely played all season. Now, don't know that that's going to happen. But but to me, that's where what what he does in the draft and what we see over the next few months, to me, is going to be very telling because he has got to nail it. Mo, I said it in the first segment. He not only has to have, he has to have a better than average, or I should say better than good draft. He has to have a better than good player acquisition strategy when it comes to free agent. Like he's got, if you were wowed by his stuff last year, and I'm not saying it's got to be blockbuster deals all over the place, Mo, but he's, he's got a, all of the heavy lift is on him. You have to understand, as I said in the first segment, the Raiders have a lot of holes. So you're right. He has to have a better than good draft because even a half decent draft 
isn't going to cover it all for this team with all the <laughs> with all the gaff stake with all the voids they have. Think about this. They need at least two offensive linemen because, as you alluded to in our Red Victor story, they're probably going to move Dylan Parham to center. Yep. So we know Alex Bars is not a starting guard in this league. So now you're yeah. going to need two guards. You could you need to upgrade at right tackle. Every as I said, every level of defense needs a playmaker. You need a defensive tackle. You probably need somebody who's going to fill in some snaps for Chandler Jones, who's getting up there in age. He just ended the season with a major injury. You need to revamp your entire linebacker core if you're not bringing back Denzel Perryman. You need a cornerback because Rocky Hassan and Anthony Averett was terrible this year. Rocky Hassan is a free agent. Nate Hobbs took a step back. You need a mm-hmm. safety unless you bring him, unless you feel good bringing back Deron Harmon. He's your starter, but remember you you let go of Jonathan Abram because he wasn't cutting it. Right. But you you need all of the you need all of this talent. So it you need more than half of your draft picks because remember you're not filling all of these holes with expensive free agents. Some of that, a lot of that, I think you're gonna have to do via the draft. So he's gonna have to hit at least I wouldn't say hit, but more than half of his draft picks have to be contributors in their first year because if they're not you're going to be rolling with a lot of stopgap guys who may or may not work again and mo to me he's got to be he, all all of his picks from the first through three round third round have to hit like without a doubt like they have to now it's not all his fault this team is in this position it, it goes back to the gruden era number two when they just one of the worst stretches in the history of the nfl with draft picks having that many high draft picks and and walking away with zero Okay, so so this is that is astronomical as far as the chances of that happening, but it did. So so you look at that, and he's got to do that, and that that's where I get to as well because this Raiders team has to they they have a lot of holes now. People want to put terms on: is it a rebuild? Is it a retool? It doesn't really matter. You have to fill roles. My question to you is: we've talked about, and I've been a proponent, and will be until. Uh, until it happens, and if it doesn't happen, I think I'll be disappointed for the Raiders. I've been a fan and a a a proponent of trading Darren Waller and getting draft capital if you can get if you can get it if the value's there. Is there anything else they can do? I think they need more draft capital. They got a they got a bunch of it, but I think they need to stack it because this team has to get younger. It has to get more talented. So you have to manage that budget. Yes, you can pepper in the free agents, but. Dave Ziegler did not have a good year with free agents overall last year. Right. I think, and that's why I'm okay with trading Darren Waller if he brings in good draft capital. Because as I said, I'm on the fence about players who are hurt more often than not in recent games. So I'm already kind of iffy with him. Now, he he did look pretty good when he came back from his injury. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, I think what's going to happen with the front office is they're going to see what Derek Carr brings in. Mm-hmm. If Derek Carr is able to fetch them multiple draft picks, including a two, three, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe they hold on to Darren wall, especially if they bring in a Tom Brady, because having Darren wall there attracts Tom Brady, unless he's going to bring Gronk with him, out of retirement. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's the other thing. But if you're not, if you're not bringing in a Brady, you get out of a young you're going to go with a young quarterback and rebuild your offensive line and revamp overhaul your defense. As you said, you need as much draft capital as possible. I think the first step is finding out what can you get for Derek Carr. That's the first block. Once you find that out, then you find out, okay, we have X amount of, we have nine draft picks. 
is that enough to cover what we need? If it's not, then you start to look at, okay, who else has value? Who else has trade value? Who else can we move for more draft capital so that we can fill those holes? No question. And and you look at, by the way, um, before we go to our next break, you look at the schedule. The schedule was released uh, for next year as far as the opponents. I shouldn't say the schedule. The opponents for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raiders at home, of course, the three other AFC West teams, the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers. Then the Jets, possible spot for Derek Carr, although you don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen. But if it was, uh, that would be incredible if he came back with the Jets to face the Raiders in Las Vegas. Oh, then the man. Green Bay Packers, again, the New England Patriots visit Las Vegas and the Minnesota Vikings. Away opponents, the three AFC West teams, they, the Raiders go. You talk about uh, two cold weather games, Chicago, depending when they're at. Chicago, Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit. So you look at, you look at their schedule, with the exception of the Jets and Packers, every team of Jets, Packers, and Broncos, every team the Raiders play next year is a play in the Bears is a playoff team. So all but four teams. So so all but four teams they play next year, Mo, are playoff teams this year. Now that doesn't mean they'll be playoff teams next year, but if I look at these teams, uh away opponents, the Lions getting better, made the playoffs, the Dolphins getting better, made the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills, perhaps the best team in the AFC. Okay, then at home, Minnesota, great year with a good young coach. Um, New England, of course, didn't make the playoffs. Green Bay didn't make the playoffs. Jets didn't make the playoffs. But the Jets, if they get a quarterback, watch out. So it's a tough schedule again next year for the Raiders. Yeah, the Lions narrowly missed the playoffs, but they did finish. Oh, yes, sorry, narrowly missed. Yes. So but they're. Next year, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. I, you know, I said the Lions would be a sleeper team this year, and part of the reason why is because they have they're strong in the trenches. They built up their offensive line, and they built up their defensive line. And it's it's exactly why I picked them to, you know, sneak up on a lot of teams this year. But that's not going to be an easy game because we don't know what the Packers' future is going to be because Aaron Rodgers is a little cryptic about what he's going to do next. Uh, I, the the Bears are rebuilding, obviously, the first overall pick. So the Lions could really be a tough yeah. opponent on their schedule and could be a, in a lot better position than the Razor if they continue to build on what they have. Now, they may lose their offensive coordinator, Ben, ben Johnson, if he gets a job. We'll see. But I, I think the Raiders, if they don't, if they don't do anything this offseason that's significant as far as upgrading the roster – it could look a lot worse in 2023. And I hate to say that now and discourage fans, but, you know, time is ticking. And, and I said this on the BR show. I've said this on previous shows. Whether you want to believe me or not, I know what Mark Davis said that, you know, Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. Don't think for a second that the Raiders start 0-4, that he's not on the hot oh, yeah. seat. Yeah. Or even if they start subpar, Mo. I mean, if if they if they go three and five or three and four, or maybe maybe not three and four, but three and five, two and five, where where it, it looks a lot like this year, if they blow, I mean, listen, I think it's gonna. He has perhaps the hottest seat going into the next season. There's no question. I he mean, has to. especially now if Brandon Staley loses in the playoffs for the Chargers and and doesn't get fired this year, then he might have one too. But outside of that, I think Josh McDaniels has, is going to have the hottest seat. And he should, because there's nothing he's done thus far that, that'll show you that he's a, a viable head coach in this league. I, I hate correct. to bring up what happened you know, more than a decade ago, but there's nothing yet that tells you Josh McDaniels is going to be a good head coach. He's not just an offensive coordinator. 
Yeah, hold that right there, because when we come back from the break, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Josh McDaniels. Mo's touched a lot on it already, but let's get into some specifics about that. Uh, Before we go to the break, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Turn on the auto-download. That helps us out significantly. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks again. Always a great crowd on there. Uh, And also, by the way, when we go into the offseason, the show does run a little less, but we'll still be with you. There's no off-season in the NFL, just off-season off the field. But uh, when it comes to front office and the Raiders this year have so much going on, so we'll have that all for you here as well as some new features. We'll even have some shorter shows. We might have more shows, Mo, uh, one week more than another. And they might be short little things here and there, too, just to keep you updated and to give you our view on things. Uh, So stay tuned for that. It'll be fun. All right, we're going to hit to that break. When we come back, we roll on with Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original podcast talking all things Las Vegas Raiders football. And Mo, no person more than this guy is getting the ire of Raider Nation off the charts than head coach Josh McDaniels. We've talked about his performance throughout the show, uh, but we need to visit this uh, early, and we'll get into more specifics as we do our our yearly breakdown by position, offense, defense, all that stuff in the coming weeks. But you look at Josh McDaniels coming in, uh, came in a lot, and 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 this is where I've come a little bit full circle. And again, we're not going to get into the whole Derek Carr thing because I'm just frankly tired of it and he's gone. But I will tell you this, Josh McDaniels said a lot of things when he got to Las Vegas, one of which was about how great Derek Carr was and he wanted him and blah, 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 blah. Um, there were a lot of things Josh McDaniels said that didn't seem – to come true or didn't seem that he followed through on you add in the inability to make adjustments that we saw, which led to an NFL leading five second half collapses or lead um, blown leads big of, of more than what? 13 points. It, it was pretty, I mean, if it wasn't for Nathaniel Hackett in, in Denver, Josh McDaniels, the, the the national media might have paid more attention to it because the performance overall, as I have said for numerous weeks now, my friend, to me, it was coaching malpractice. He often did all of the wrong things at the wrong time. I brought this up on previous shows. It took him a month to feed Josh Jacobs the football. <laughs> Think about that. And Josh Jacobs still won the rushing title. Can you imagine if he had fed Josh Jacobs in the first month of the season. Yeah. I said this too. Uh, Devontae Adams, there are seven, eight games with he's, where he's had five or fewer catches. That's inexcusable for the best wide receiver in the league. And I, and Devontae Adams still captured the franchise record in receiving yards. Can you imagine if he had more consistency in his catches, what his numbers would have looked like? Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams would have had astronomical numbers. But to me, there were stretches in the season where McDaniels just – didn't use his talent to the best of their ability. Now, the other thing you mentioned, the blown leads, part of that is on players executing or not executing on the field. Sure. And part of that is is the head coach. you got to be able to manage 
a three possession lead. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're any, if you if you're a competent head coach, you should be able to manage a lead like that because teams aren't blowing big lead, big leads like that with consistency. The Raiders have the record and blown second half double digit leads. The record. So it's one thing to do it once or twice. It's another thing to do it five times. So there, there's a, there's a lot that goes on Josh McDaniels' plate, and I, I'm sure he understands that. But that's the concerning part for me is that is he ever going to turn it around or is just who he is as a head coach? Mm. Just not a very good head coach. And you talked about it. If Nathaniel Hackett wasn't fired as bad as he was as a head coach, we were probably paying – well, not we, but the national media were probably paying more attention to Josh McDaniels. Brandon Staley isn't exactly a trustworthy head coach either. This dude right. played his starters in a, in a meaningless regular season game, got <laughs> Mike Williams hurt, got uh, Kenneth Murray hurt, got Joey Bosa hurt, and a game that meant nothing to our playoff implications. So right. this is what I mean when I say Andy Reid and the Chiefs are, are going to have an advantage over the entire AFC West until the coaching gets better for all the other teams because – Andy Reid is just on another level. And I know we're yeah. in a Raiders show, and I'm not going to talk too much about the Chiefs and what Andy Reid is doing, but you got to close the gap when it comes to the roster personnel and coaching. Coaching. Because if you don't close the gap with coaching, it's it's not going to get any better for any of the teams in the AFCS besides the Chiefs. Well, and you saw you saw this coaching um, um, inadequacy, or I should say the gap between the coaching of both teams, too on the game on Saturday, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was evident. You could see it at times. It's like a, it was like a national chess champion playing a 12-year-old who won the school competition, right? And and you could see it. You could see it. I, and I'm not trying to make fun of Josh McDaniel. I'm just saying it is what it is, okay? And so you look at that and you think to yourself, boy, is, is there anywhere that I can see Josh McDaniels improved? And that's a tough question because – I thought at times I thought he was improving and then we saw regression. And so I'm having a struggle and I'm not out here saying fire the guy cause he's clearly not going to get fired, but, but I'm struggling Mo, to find where he improved. This is where I'm with Raider fans when they're not too enthusiastic about the off season, because if your head coach is making boneheaded moves yes. and play calls, yes. it is not going to matter who you have in there because <laughs> they're going to they're going to have a low ceiling because of the coaching staff. And we we went through this when Re- Reggie McKenzie and Del Rio were in charge. They, Reggie McKenzie was the GM, Del Rio was the head coach, and his staff. There were times when Reggie McKenzie's guys, who he drafted, went on to other teams and flourished. So that tells you that some of Reggie McKenzie's guys weren't that bad. It's just the coaching staff didn't put them in positions to succeed. And I'm afraid that even if Ziggler does a good job, it comes down to does Josh McDaniels use them to their best ability? Does Patrick Graham put these guys in positions to succeed? Because other than Amik Robertson, who improved under Patrick Graham? We named Nate Hobbs regression. We named Trevor Merrick regression. Other than Amik Robinson, who looked better from the previous year and this year under Patrick Graham? To me, that's another red flag. And I will tell you one thing before you go, Scott. Josh McDaniels was asked about the coaching staff and will there be any changes in the offseason. He was kind of noncommittal about it. He said, yeah. basically, he said, we're going to reevaluate everything. And I was of the belief that Patrick Graham would be back because, let's be honest, if you look up and down the Raiders roster at the end of the season, not a lot of starting guys that not a lot of guys that would be starters on other teams either. Yeah. So so I will say that 
now I'm like, is Patrick Graham going to be back? Now it's more of a question. But I will say this. If they replace Patrick, if they don't replace Patrick Graham, and they draft guys for his scheme, and then they let him go because he underperforms in 2023, then you're back at the same cycle. Because same cycle. now yeah. you have to draft guys for the next coordinator. So to me, it's either you stick with Patrick Graham and ride it out, or you let him go now because now. if not, you're going to be stuck in the same cycle over and over again. Yeah, and Mo, let's face it. Uh, this is the way the world works. It's not just in sports. But when crap goes bad, okay, when the crap hits the fan, I'm keeping it family family friendly. <laughs> when the crap hits the fan, somebody's taking the blame, okay? Somebody's taking the blame. So when it comes to the offensive play, the quarterback took some of the blame. Not all the blame, but some of the blame. That's why they're moving on from him, okay? He wasn't playing up to their, their what they wanted to see. When it comes to the coaching, the coaching wasn't what it... Now, it begins and ends with Josh McDaniels, there's no question. But Josh McDaniels isn't going to go anywhere. And if he's not going to go anywhere, some something's got to change because Dave Ziegler... Look, everybody, the pound of flesh has to happen. So, yeah, maybe it's a defensive back coach or it's a linebacker coach, even though they had no talent there, or it's the offensive line coach. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to take the fall. It always happens that way, especially in sports. Right. Where, where mm -hmm. it's so volatile. Um, and I, you know, listen, if they again, if they weren't so close, I would go. It, it might not happen on Black Monday like it was yesterday, but but I would not have been surprised if the Raiders moved on from Josh McDaniels had it not been for the closeness of those two, because you have all cause to think that it's not working. Scott, five Blown double digit. <laughs> exactly. Who else? No one else has done that. Not so, only that, but your you, your quarterback regressed. <laughs> Let's call it. No, I listen. Yeah, yeah. The card defenders are right about that. He regressed. He got better under Gruden. Probably the best he was going to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he regressed. And mm -hmm. everyone, I mean, even even Colton Miller regressed, or he had a little bit of a down year. I don't know whatever you want to call it. So, so you look at this and you see that you're right from a coaching perspective. Now, the offensive line, I shouldn't have mentioned the offensive line coach getting fired because I think with what he had, he did well. I mean, they got better at they times. Overachieved. They overachieved. And so that you have to say, hey, kudos to the coach. Okay. But outside of that, and Max Crosby is his own coach, so he doesn't need a coach. But um, <laughs> everybody else, you're right. It's, it's, it's a great question. And I think I just wonder, yeah, I just think it's going to be a really short leash for Josh McDaniels this year. And I would love to be in this, the evaluation between Ziegler and McDaniels. And again, I, I need, I think he needs a veteran coach beside him to help him with game management. Wasn't Rob Ryan on the staff this year? I believe he yes. was. Yeah. Uh, but it, I just, there could be a situation where the Raiders have a good draft where you could see the talent. Yeah. And let's say the Raiders blow another five, Double digit second half leads. He, this, he has to fire his Ziggler has to fire his butt yeah. to save his butt because I would assume that Mark Davis would come to him and say, "Look, it's either <laughs> it's done. Daniel's goes or both of you go." <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's when the decision comes down. But it goes to my point that I just, as excited as I am about the off season and the Raiders having a full draft class, assuming they don't trade their top picks. And having $35 million in cap space and probably soon to be about $65 million once they trade car, there's still that question is, can Josh McDaniels cook the groceries and provide a good meal? 
because it, again, if he doesn't, then even even though you can see the talent in certain young players, you can see they could be a lot better. And if you have that thought in your head that yeah, this player is good, but he could be a lot better, then you're thinking about replacing your head coach because that's what we say about Justin Herbert. A lot of people are saying Justin Herbert could be a lot better if he had a different head coach. And Brandon yeah. Staley is weighing that team down. And I think we can have the same conversation about Josh McDaniels as far as as far as the entire roster is concerned on the offensive side of the ball. Is he the offensive guru that many thought he was coming in? Because he, the, you know, regardless of what he happened in Indianapolis, he was a hot commodity as the head coaching candidate. His name was popping up all over the place, and he felt like the Raiders was the spot where he can kind of change the narrative about what happened in Denver. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just not happening right now. It, just, it looks pretty much the same as what happened in Denver. And 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 Mo, uh, uh, let's go into imagination zone for a minute here, because okay. but, but but possible, which is imagine. Sean Payton, coach Brandon Staley goes with Chargers. They lose to the Jags, okay, in the first round of the playoffs. Brandon Staley gets fired because I think he deserves to be fired if he does that, number one. Even if he wins a game, I still think he could get fired. <laughs> but nonetheless, he gets fired. Sean Payton, who's living in Los Angeles, gets convinced to go coach the Chargers because you got the quarterback, you got the running back, pretty good team, okay? Then the Denver Broncos go get Jim Harbaugh. Then suddenly, you got the only JV coach in the division. I mean, am, am I exaggerating when I say that? No, because the one coach has won a Super Bowl, the other one has gone to Super Bowl and won a whole lot in the NFL. <laughs> so, that, that to me, even if those two guys don't join the division, yeah, I, I, I just think that Josh McDaniels' leash is so short that it, if he doesn't show anything within the first quarter of the next season. Mm-hmm. I would think that Dave Ziegler and Mark Davis are having a conversation like, okay, this doesn't turn around soon. We, we, we're ready to move on quick. And it's sad they say that because then you're probably looking at a rebuild and that's tiring to talk about. And I don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. But I, I just, all, all of my concern right now is what type of head coach is Josh McDaniels? Is he going to improve? Is he going to show any improvement? Because if, if, if these players, because, Numerous players have come out, former players. I think Tiki Barber has, Tiki or Rondé, because they're twins. Yeah. One of them said, one of them had a bit that said, Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. He's an offensive coordinator. Brandon Marshall, the wide receiver, has been vocal about Very this. Very vocal. Time endeavor. He said, not a head coach, play caller, but not a head coach. And I think people overlook the fact that a head coach and an offensive coordinator, two very different positions. It's one thing to call the offense. And Josh and Josh McDaniels has had his gaffes there. It's another thing to be a leader of men. Yep. And when you're not when you're not that CEO type, it's not going to work out. And I'm, I hate to judge him based on his talk at the podium, but when you look <laughs> at Josh McDaniels at the podium and you listen to him talk, does that sound like a CEO type? No, a guy who's going to command respect in the locker room from from fifty three plus guys. I, I just don't get that feeling from him. Right. And that, and that's that's what I think too. I mean, listen, you you hear him speak. There's, I'm not saying you have to be the best speaker, but but and I know he's been doing it a lot longer. But you look at what how Gruden was when he spoke to the media. You look at a guy like Mike Tomlin, who who in some ways should be coach of the year because that Steelers team was no good, and he got them within one win of a winning record. Okay, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and you look at some of these other coaches and even young coaches. Look at McDaniel down in Miami. That guy commands the room. I mean, he gets a little wild at times and gets a little esoteric, 
But other than that, the guy commands the room. And so I, I think you're right. And that's where the big question mark is. And, and I got to believe that part of the coaching staff here with Josh McDaniels, Mo, that, that if I was Dave Ziegler, I would say, okay, listen, I don't know if it's the defense or what it is, but if I'm him, I'm looking for the guy, the just-in-case guy, meaning that <laughs> you need to bring on a more experienced coach to help you coach. But then if I got to fire your ass after four or five games, I need somebody I know who can run the team. Because right now the coaching staff, I mean, maybe Rex Ryan, I don't know, he's a little wild card, but but who else on that team could be even an interim head coach, right? It, it would be a disaster. So It would be a disaster if you're coach firing a coach after four or five games anyway. But nonetheless, I, I think there just needs to be some maturity, stability, and somebody, like you said, who can run the room, can be the CEO, even if he's not. Um, but it is a long-term problem, and the Raiders are going to learn really quick and if, if he's not the guy, then it could set the franchise back three or, three or four years again. Here's one thing that's also scary to me. The Raiders have a very inexperienced trio as far as head coach and coordinators are concerned. Mick mm-hmm. Lombardi, young coordinator. Patrick Graham, not a lot of experience, believe it or not. I believe he's only had four years as a, as a D coordinator, and three of those years haven't been good. Mm-hmm. And then you got Josh McDaniels, who had a short stay in Denver and doesn't didn't look good in his first year with the Raiders. So who is the guy that's going to, as you say, kind of have in, on your shoulder to, to make some of the executive decisions with the experience? Because if you look at the Giants, right? And I say the Giants because I, I watch a lot of Giants games because of my proximity to the team. But Brian Dable has Dominic Martindale. And I know Dominic Martindale has never been a head coach, but he has tons of years of experience tons of experience i mean dave himself has a lot of experience too but mm-hmm. wink has been around and he's an older head coach he's an older coach i should say that means something you know so sure. it, it, with, with the raiders young staff with so much inexperience there when things are falling apart no wonder they they couldn't recover when things started to go downhill a lot of times no wonder they blew so many leads like who's the experienced guy on that staff that can pull things together when things are not going right from a coaching standpoint I know you depend on your players to do it on the field, but your coaches also have to play a part in that. Yeah, and I think that's why you will see some change. I don't know what it's going to be, who it's going to be, but I think there has to be. And uh, I'm sure we'll know here pretty quickly, even maybe by our next show on Thursday. You never know. Um, that's going to close out the show, though, Mo. We're done for the for the day. Um, and we certainly appreciate everybody being with us. And we're going to have a really busy offseason. Obviously, with what all these issues we talked about, we're going to deep, deep dive on some of them as we move, move along in the next few weeks. And then as we hit the, the end of the NFL playoffs, the Super Bowl, then we're going to focus on the draft. There's going to be a lot of draft analysis here on the show. We'll take a look at who the Raiders might be targeting. Uh, and then we'll also learn, obviously, by the within three days after the Super Bowl, if the Raiders were able to trade Derek Carr and what they got for him. So that'll give us a full picture of what their draft capital looks like. So we'll do that in the interim. We'll keep a uh, track and an eye of all things, Las Vegas Raiders and what's happening with the staff with personnel as they all break away for the off season. All right, Mo, we will catch up with you again on Thursday, my friend. I thought this would be a little more of a painful show being that we're wrapping up the 2022 <laughs> season, but it was, it wasn't as painful as I thought it was. So. I well, yeah, that, I mean, Scott. you know, like you said, it was disastrous. Uh, you don't, you, you could talk about why it was, which I think we touched on. And we're going to get into some, like you said, the positions and stuff like that later on, some of the talent that's on the roster and and those holes that need to be filled will identify them specifically um, and talk about who's going to be back and who won't be back. 
Uh, but overall, it's pretty. It's easier actually when when it goes like this. If you're a 500 team or you just missed the playoffs by one game, then maybe you're starting to talk a little more about what happened, what could have gone this way, what would have went this way, and that makes a big difference. Here in this case, the Raiders just didn't ever really get to the point where they were a serious contender. All right, Mo, I'll talk to you on Thursday, buddy. All right, speak to you soon. All right, for uh, Mo Moten and for our producer, David Stepanian, excuse me, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Aussie original podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, Sunday mornings, even during the offseason, you can catch us in Las Vegas over the airwaves on 98.5 The Fan and, of course, 1140 The Bet, both Odyssey sports stations in the Las Vegas market. Until Thursday, take care, Raider Nation, and we'll talk to you then.